0: We take them off mom, we put them in this new, strange environment, and we expect them to get started on feed and water and start growing right away. So that's a pretty stressful time for that baby pig. If we can do that successfully, then we can set them up for success for the next few months of their lives in the growing period.
1: Welcome to Inside the Helix, a podcast presentation from DNA Genetics. Throughout this series, we focus on all things that matter to the pork industry. You'll hear from our award-winning team of geneticists, veterinarians, animal care providers, nutritionists, and other industry-leading experts. We'll explore pig production from genetic improvement all the way to meat quality. Listen along as we take a deep dive inside the DNA Helix. Starting the nursery pig is our topic today on Inside the Helix, I'm your host, Curtis Harms. Dr. Christine Manquist Wigum, veterinarian and director of health for DNA Genetics Nucleus and Pillen and Family Farms, is joining us today. Her role includes overseeing the health of the system sows, as well as the downstream nursery and finishing aspect of it. Christine, thanks for joining us today.
0: Yeah, Curtis, thanks for having me. Very excited to be on here.
1: Yeah, Christine, you're a native of Stanton, Iowa, and were raised on a row crop and cow calf farm, but eventually came to Nebraska. This was through college, correct?
0: Yeah. So. Uh... Grew up in Southwest Iowa and really interested in agriculture and science and uh, did my undergrad here in Nebraska. So had some um, you know experience here, went to vet school at Iowa State and uh, uh, this opportunity came up and really wanted to be part of pillin and DNA. So came back here uh, right after vet school.
1: I was going to say, what, what really led your interest in the swine industry? was it Was it the job opening or was it something that you kind of had a passion for from an early age?
0: No, so no swine experience growing up. Um, and then in vet school, I had an internship, uh, spent, spent the summer in Iowa with pigs and um, some research and then uh, was really just hooked. I thought I was going to be a cow-calf vet and really loved the population medicine, the epidemiology and the people. Um, and so after that, fully committed to swine medicine. And here I am today.
1: And you've been with DNA Genetics and Pill Family Farms with the system for about several years now, for roughly seven years or so. What drew you to the company?
0: Yeah, I remember um, I did an a internship here, my fourth year of veterinary school. And uh, the people were extremely welcoming. Um, you can just tell the culture by the people you interact with and really enjoyed my time on the farms with the research that we were doing. And it, it just felt like a fit.
1: Yeah, that's very interesting. So let's get to the topic at hand, Christine. Starting the nursery pig, why is this so critical to start pigs off right?
0: Yeah, so this is something we talk about all the time and it's really the very first transition in the pig's life and it's this most critical transition they've been on mom previously they're very comfortable they've got a food source that they know about and then we take them you know at 20 to 23 days of age we take them off mom we put them in this new strange environment and we expect them to get started on feed and water and start growing right away so that's a pretty pretty stressful time for that baby pig if we can do that successfully then we can set them up for success for the next you know few months of their lives in the growing period. Looking at that time, uh, we wanted to evaluate practices that we're doing that can help improve that transition and get our pigs started off on the right foot.
1: Because really the worst thing that that producers are looking for is added mortality, and really some of this extra care at the beginning can really pay dividends in the long term.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we kind of look at that period of the first 10 days after weaning. If we can get them set up for success and really have more intensive care during that time, it seems like they're Set up for success for the next few weeks.
1: Now, Christine, you're a veterinarian and a researcher. From your perspective, what are some of the key things pig producers can do to minimize mortality in the first 10 days?
0: Yeah. So there are some things that are set up with your system that you can't really change. But you know, we know that reducing stressors and having an older wean pig are two things that are key to success. So you may not be able to change that wean pig age. Then what can we do to look at how do we reduce stress? How do we create an environment that that pig's going to thrive in. So those are really the two areas that we we focused on is reducing stressors and creating a good environment.
1: Creating that that good environment. Does that include things like like sanitation?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Kind of where all this started. It's probably been 4 or 5 years ago that we looked we kind of had a self-reflection moment and we said, okay, we know these are healthy pigs and not every site is going to be absolutely perfect, but if we don't have those primary pathogens like PRRS, PED, hitting our pigs early we should be having really good performance and the performance just wasn't um, to the level that we were expecting so we said okay what do we need to do differently we knew we needed to do this systematically we needed to make changes one at a time and track them but first there was a lot of things going on that didn't really make sense you know we were over medicating to to cover some sins in some areas we needed to peel back the onion in order to build it back up. So we pulled everything out, all feed meds came out, kind of went back to a a more simple diet and then started from scratch and started adding things back in. So one of the first things we looked at was sanitation Mm -hmm. and you know, particularly early or nurseries, they're only there for six weeks and you turn those nurseries pretty quickly. So the pathogen load can build up pretty quickly and it's all kind of in that young age of a pig. So we said, what do we need to do to do a better job? We were washing and disinfecting our barns in between. But uh, there's this things called biofilms that can remain, especially like on plastic floors. And these most of these are plastic floored nurseries. And we didn't feel like we were getting that biofilm broken down in between turns. So we looked at the application of a detergent. We used an alkaline detergent that is a degreaser, breaks up the biofilms better. And things like rotaviruses, E. coli, streps, all these bacteria and viruses can hang out in there. So after the application of the detergent, we did a, a very large scale field trial where we had about 200 barns on each treatment, detergent or no, no detergent, um, and the barns treated with the detergent, we saw over a percent reduction in mortality.
1: Wow. wow, that's that's substantial. Yeah,
0: yep. And a lot of that was due to reduction in nursery scour. So, you know, putting on my vet hat, we do a lot of diagnostics and a lot of this early scour was coming back rotavirus. So we were able to um, go in then after, after applying our treatment and we realized, okay, the scour's gone. We're not having these rotavirus issues. And that kind of set the stage for some of our other implement- other things we've implemented. So after we did the detergent sanitation step, we looked at our stressors. And so that's kind of into the, the vaccination piece where we were saying, okay, we're going in, we're vaccinating these pigs after three weeks placed, and we're seeing them go off feed and we're having some health breaks after, you know, parasuis and E. coli right after that stress event.
1: Yeah. So what, what what was kind of the the next step then? What were you going to look at in terms of vaccines and, and maybe what what's the timing process?
0: Yeah. So the traditional vaccination timeline is three weeks and six weeks of age with kind of your core vaccines. And we said, can we do something differently? So we did the workup at the South farm to make sure there wouldn't be maternal antibody interference. And we said, OK, I think we can push these vaccines earlier and reduce the number of times we pick pigs up we put our vaccines at three days of age and three weeks of age. So that would be like the day prior to weaning. So then once that pig is weaned, no one's going in and picking them up and vaccinating them. And then we're not having to go in in the middle of the nursery and do it either. So really once they're weaned, all they have to worry about is finding feed and staying on feed. And they're like that for the rest of their nursery turn. We we did a similar deal to the detergent step and we put you know about 200 barns on trial for each treatment mm-hmm. early vaccine and late vaccine and we saw about 0.75 percent reduction in mm-hmm. mortality just by pushing those vaccines earlier
1: That that's that's impressive what about when we're looking at things like oh cameras ventilations you know it sounds like a big part of of this whole process is really reducing those stressors how can we better monitor the pigs in this process and maybe what are some of the other things that we can do to alleviate stress
0: yeah that's a great question so the the first two interventions we talked about those are pretty objective we were able to go in and say okay we're going to apply this treatment and then we're going to measure it but that's not the only thing that's going on so the environment piece is so critical to keeping those pigs comfortable one thing that I've I've really appreciated about our strategy is that we're trying to empower our team members people in the barn to understand what's going on with that pig and then making changes accordingly so we call it read the pig mm-hmm. And the goal is that that pig should tell you what's going on. If the pig's comfortable, he's going to be laid out nicely and eating and drinking. The pig's not comfortable. He might be huddled or if it's too warm, maybe they're laid spread out. Um, If they're located all in one area of a pen or not another area or the other area of a pen, that maybe can tell you that there's something going on with the air. So when you're there during the day, that's great, but we weren't able to see what was going on at night. Right. So one big change that we um, implemented was putting cameras in. So we installed cameras in all of our nursery rooms and were able to watch pig behavior and make some assumptions on air movement through those cameras. So a lot of these are really small interventions that occurred, but made huge differences to the comfort level of the pig.
1: When I would say a big thing that you're doing, too, is doing these one at a time, basically, too. So you're you're really able to pay to pinpoint which specific change in practice is making the difference.
0: Yeah. Not doing everything at once. That's a big deal. You want to know what what the differences are. So especially with the like with the ventilation, that's a little bit harder to measure, but you don't want to go in and change a whole bunch of stuff. And then, you know, you don't really get to see the effect So the, the ventilation changes were really a team effort, but it required watching cameras and watching videos a lot. Mm -hmm. And it's not just one area of the day, you got to watch them in the morning, watch them in the evening and kind of see what's going on. But just, you know, some details of things that we didn't realize were important were the inlets that we'd installed, you know, there was air leaking out of those inlets. So going in and sealing up some of the cracks where we had leaks coming in. Uh, diverting the air where it was supposed to go. I mean, it's pretty simple. You just put on some bubble wrap and some foam around the inlet. But wow, what a difference it made to pig comfort. We also realized there was air leaking in through the hallway doors. Well, that was pretty easy. You go in and you apply some weather stripping around the door. Air can't get through there quite as easily. And Now, all of a sudden, your pigs in those first few pens are way more comfortable.
1: So what are the, maybe some of those signs that your pigs are chilled or maybe there's some drafting that that exists?
0: Yeah, so huddling. The so huddling. if they're sure. if, you know a couple pigs deep, or if they're trying to like avoid a certain area of the pen, that's that's keys. Okay, there's something going here on here that's not comfortable, and that was really cool to see on the cameras. You could pull it up in the middle of the night, and all the pigs would be either you know pushed to the back of the pen, or they'd be two or three deep, and you realize okay something's off here. They're not comfortable. So the kind of the mantra we use is warm, dry, and draft free. That was another huge piece. Warm, you know. Traditionally, we'd run nurseries a little bit cooler. We realized, okay, to prevent the scour, to keep them comfortable, and to get them started right, they want a warmer temperature. So we did adjust our um, min vent settings and our curves to be less air moving. So our min, we dropped our min vent. That's part of the draft free, and then warm and dry, getting that temperature a little bit higher when we start the pigs. So we're starting them, you know, around eighty-six degrees right now.
1: Let's move on to feed intake. How important are things like mat feeding?
0: Really, really critical. So number one is getting that gut going. So they've been on mom's milk, but we really need to get them started on started on feed because that's what they're gonna be on for the rest of their life. And it's important for intestinal development uh, to get started on feed. So we do creep feeding prior to weaning and that's about seven days prior to weaning. It gives them a chance to explore feed while they still have uh, milk as a source. But we've done a few trials now that will show pigs that are creep fed prior to weaning do not experience as much weight loss post weaning. Hmm. So really, we want to make sure we don't go backwards those first few wh- days. Why is. do you think that is? Um, they know wh- they know what feed is and they know how to eat. Sure. They've seen it before, and that gut's been going. So they've right. had you know solid feed going through their intestinal tract.
1: So as we're looking at feeders, then. Any concern areas or specific settings or anything when, when it comes to a feed opening or things like that?
0: Yeah, I'll probably leave that to the nutritionist to, um, to discuss that fully. But I do want to address our uh, gruel pans. Yeah. So that was another thing we noticed on our cameras. We had these really long gruel pans. You know, we have our gruel protocols in place for sick pigs or small pigs. But when you had these long pans, those pigs would get in there and and sit in it and they'd get wet. And so we were seeing more of that chilling, even if we were warm and supposedly draft-free, we weren't dry. So we were chilling more pigs. So even just a simple thing is switching up the style of gruel feeders made a huge difference.
1: Now, Christine, you've been with the pig industry for a number of years now, and you've done a lot of different work. What changes have you seen in nursery mortality industry-wide?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think as an industry, we are experiencing a a period of higher mortality, uh, survivability, livability. It's definitely an area of intensive research, and there's a lot of attention on it right now. I think we all have to kind of like look in the mirror and say, what can we do to continue to improve this? So that's why this topic, getting these pigs started, has been so critical and so important to us and our company is because we do want to impact improved livability.
1: Now we've talked about stressors, we've talked about the environment, all of these types of things. Is there anything that we missed? Because there's, there's a lot of things to point out and to make sure that we're, we're doing maybe better than we have been in the past. But is there anything maybe that we missed that that's also an important element of this?
0: Well, so the discussion we've had today is assuming we've got a healthy pig. Right. And, and I think that's, you know, if you're dealing with disease, these areas sometimes take a back seat. And we've experienced that too. When we're, we have a disease challenge We forget that this pig still needs to be warm, dry, and draft free but uh, without a doubt, having a PERS challenge or some other type of large disease challenge, you've got a drain on immunity and you've got impact to that pig's physiology that just makes starting the pig so much more critical and a little bit more of an uphill battle.
1: We've talked about a lot of things today. What's maybe one key message that you would like to leave for our listeners as we wrap up our discussion today on starting the nursery pig?
0: Yeah, so... Our key message and, and things that we, we coach every day are keeping that pig warm, dry, and draft free And in order to do that, we need to read the pig and listen to what he's telling us.
1: All right, Dr. Wigum. Last question, what keeps you going each day? I mean, what gets you excited about coming into work and tackling a new day of animal health?
0: Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, the people. So the people I get to work with every day it just makes a huge difference. You know, I love the company we work for and I love the message that we that we promote. Um, but then also just knowing that we're responsible for feeding the world's population and, and what we're contributing to that. It's, it's a, a noble profession.
1: Thank you very much. And a little teaser for the next episode of Inside the Helix. I'll give you a little sneak peek, Christine. Jason Schneider is going to be with us to discuss feed biosecurity and I'm looking forward to learning more, and I hope everyone listening is as well. As always, you can join in on the conversation online. If you've got questions or topic ideas, visit us at dnaswinegenetics.com, or find us on social media. Christine, pop quiz, are you following DNA Genetics on social media?
0: Absolutely, it's on Facebook, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. LinkedIn.
1: There you go, very good. Thanks again, Christine, for joining us today for episode two.
0: Great, Curtis, thanks so much for having me.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside the Helix, presented by DNA Genetics. Inside the Helix is released every other Tuesday and is focused on what matters to the swine industry. To catch up on previous episodes, visit us online at dnaswinegenetics.com or find us at your favorite podcast streaming platforms. You can also keep up with DNA Genetics throughout the year by following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. For Inside the Helix, I'm Curtis Harms.